So, I got a question to start out tonight. How many of you have ever played this game called Clue? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, so quite a few of you have played it. Uh, maybe I should ask also how many of you like playing the game of Clue? It's kind of mixed in our house, I have to say. So, um, so even if you have played it, uh, or maybe if you haven't, uh, let me just share a few things with you about the game, and you'll understand in a little while while um, why I'm doing this. But um, so the game is basically a game of uh, it's a, it's a it's trying to solve a murder mystery, uh, and the goal of the game is to find out uh, what the the details of the murder are. So who who is the murderer? What was the weapon that they used in the room? that they committed the murder. And so you have this deck of cards, and this deck is divided up into three types of cards. There's people cards, there's weapon cards, and there's room cards. And at the beginning of the game, you split the, car, the deck into the three types of cards. You shuffle them up, and then randomly you pull one of the cards out from each type without anybody seeing the card. And you put those three cards, so you have right, a person card, a weapon card, and a room card, and you put it in this envelope and it says confidential on it. So this uh, inside here is the, is the, the solution, right, that, that everybody's looking for. So then you put that aside and you take the rest of the deck, you shuffle it up and you uh, deal it out and everybody gets a set of cards. And so uh, the game starts and the way it works is you, so you maybe have four or five cards depending on who's playing and you could have people cards or weapon cards or room or a combination. And you make, you go around this board and you go into the rooms and you make a guess as to who, what you think the, the details of the murder are. And uh, based on the clues, the cards that you have in your hand. And uh, when you make a guess, someone, another player, they have their cards too, right? And let's just say, I say it's, it's Professor Plum with the knife in the conservatory, right? And I see a lot of you smiling. You remember those weird names and stuff. Well, someone might, with cards might go, I have Professor Plum. So they say, Chad, I got a card to show you. So kind of secretly without anybody else looking, they'll show me that they have Professor Plum. So I know, okay, so Professor Plum isn't the guy either. He's not in the confidential pack. So that, that's, and the game goes on like that, right? And you, and so as the game goes on, you uh, make guesses and you, you learn new clues about the case and you try to figure it out and at some point someone feels like they got the answer that they know what's in here they make their final guess and if no one else has that card you say okay check it out you open it up and see if it's right and, uh, and then they win if they're right um, so that, that's the way the game works uh, so I would just say that the, one, the goal of the game is to find out the truth right the truth that resides in this envelope. Now, the reason I shared that with you tonight is because as I was studying our text for tonight, which comes from John chapter 18, and as Pastor Dan said, it's, it's a section of the trial between Pontius Pilate and Jesus, and I couldn't help but think of the game of Clue as I was thinking about maybe what Pilate was going through as he was questioning Jesus, um, because the goal of his trial with Jesus, or at least seems like it, is he's trying to figure out the truth, right? He wants to know what's inside the envelope so that he can appropriately take care of this case. Um, he also has some cards in his hands, right? Um, 
he has some cards. Let, let's, uh, let's talk, before we get to the text, let's just talk about some of the cards, some of the clues that Pilate had in his hand before he actually questions Jesus. Um, one card that he has in his hand is, is the accusation that the Jews brought to him. They came to him after they had had their trials, and we heard about uh, some of those tonight. They came to him saying that Jesus had claimed to be a king that he was a threat to the Roman government, that he was uh, dangerous politically. Um, so that's one card he's got in his hand. Another card that he has in his hand is um, he had heard, it doesn't say it in this gospel, not in John's gospel, but he had heard that the Jews had brought Jesus to him simply out of envy. So he's got that card in his hand. He's got that clue in his hand. Another card that he has in his hand is his own future, his own uh, political career, because he knows he's got to handle this case well. Uh, the Jews and the Romans didn't get along very well. If he doesn't handle it well, there could be an uprising with the Jews. He could get in trouble with the Jewish leaders. He could get in trouble with his own superiors. And so he's got that to worry about. That's another card or clue he's got in his hand. And then one final one is what he heard from his wife. Do you remember what he heard from his wife? His wife said, I had a dream about this guy and you should have nothing to do with him. <laughs> so he's got that card in his hand too. So he's got these cards, but he's trying to figure out the truth. He wants to know what's inside the envelope, but it's not just a game, right? It's not a game where there's gonna be some people losing the game and some people winning the game. It's life, it's real life. And a man's life is at stake. So he's in quite a predicament, Pilate, as he goes to question Jesus. But he does need to figure out the truth. So let's, let's watch and see what happens. But follow along as I read to you from the text. And I'll stop along here occasionally just to, uh, to share a couple of thoughts. So Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? So he, he had just been outside the palace and had heard these accusations from the Jewish leaders. So he goes back inside and he asks Jesus, are, are, you, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? So Jesus here asks a valid question, right? Because he's, he's wondering Pilate, are you asking because you're interested or because you have thoughts about me? Or are you asking because that's what I'm being accused of, of being by the Jewish leaders? Pilate responds, verse 35, he says, am I a Jew? Peter, or Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? In other words, Pilate's saying, do you think I care whether you are a king of the Jews? I'm not a Jew but that's what you're being accused of. So I need to find out what's this all about and what have you done that's maybe against the law. So now Jesus knows. <laughs> Verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So Jesus says, you know, Pilate, <clears throat> I'm not the king that I'm being accused of. They th are saying that I'm an earthly king, that I'm a threat to the Roman government. He's saying, if that was the kind of king I was, I would have guards and soldiers just like you do, Pilate, and this wouldn't be happening right now. 
But he says, that's, that's not the kind of king that I am. I have a different kind of kingdom. So Pilate responds, verse 37, he says, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So, do you kind of catch what's going on here in this conversation? So Jesus is answering Pilate, right? He's, he's following along with the questioning, but he's also trying to lead Pilate to understand that there's a much bigger truth that Pilate needs to understand. Um, it's not just about Jesus' innocent and guilt in this particular trial, but there's a bigger truth about God and about life and about salvation that Jesus wants Pilate to understand. Um, the truth about the absolute truth, the God's objective truth about his love for mankind, about how uh, Jesus' person and his work and uh, everything about life, the truth that would save Pilate, the truth that saves you and me. So in a sense, Jesus is saying, Pilate, I know you, you think you know what's inside this, the, the, the envelope. I know you're, you think you know what the truth is. He's saying, but oh, Pilate, there's a much bigger truth that you need to know. There's a much bigger truth about me and about God and about life that you need to understand. And Jesus, loving Pilate and reaching out for his soul, wanted Pilate to get that. And not just to get it, but to understand it, to embrace it, to trust it. And so when Jesus says in those last words, when he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me, he was basically saying, Pilate, here's the envelope. <laughs> Open it up. He was inviting him to understand more about the truth. So how do you think Pilate responded? Um, you think he said, oh, Jesus, hmm. Thank you so much. You know, I've been so way off. Thank you for sharing this. Can you share more about this truth with me? Now, you know the story, right? Look at verse 38. What is truth? Pilate said. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. <clears throat> Pilate scoffs at Jesus' idea of truth. He, it's like Pilate's saying, whoa, 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 Jesus, hmm. You know, this, this whole thing about truth you want to share with me, that's, that's okay. You know, I, need, I, I know what I need to know about you. You're not the criminal that they're saying you are. Uh, thanks, but I'm out of here, right? And he goes out. He scoffs at Jesus' idea of truth. He goes back out, and he basically says to the, to the crowds and to the Jews, he says, this guy is not the guy you're accusing him of being. And, and he wants to let him go. And so, but he knows he's in a jam because of how aggressive they are and, and their demands. And so he, he returns to an old custom, a custom that they used at the time of the Passover, where they would release a prisoner 
and just, just a prisoner they would let go at that time of the year. And he's hoping that that would be the way out, that they would, he could let go of Jesus. But it backfires on him. They say, no, we don't want Jesus. And they, they actually call for a terrible criminal named Barabbas. And so Pilate throws his hands up. In another gospel, it says he washes his hands of it and he gives Jesus up to be crucified. Jesus was handing, he was right there, handing Pilate the truth that he needed to save him, and Pilate just scoffed at it. We have a lot of scoffers in our world today, don't we? Um, People that would say there's no objective truth, that there's no uh, absolute truth. People would say that all truth is relative, that they would say, You know, that might be true for you, but that's not true for me. And by the way, don't try to push your truth on me, right? And people that certainly would not want to hear any type of truth about Jesus or the Bible. Sadly, there's even some churches (laughs) that are scoffing at the Bible and Jesus' words about truth. So how about you? You scoff at Jesus' words about truth? If you do, just as Jesus is reaching out or was reaching out to Pilate here because he loved him, Jesus is reaching out to you with his love too and he's calling you to his truth. But you might be saying, Chad, I wouldn't be here tonight if I scoffed about Jesus' truth. Okay, but we gotta be very careful because there's a huge, huge warning for all of us in these words. Because there's a little pilot that lives inside every single one of us. And we might feel fine here in our church, but we all gotta go home. We all gotta go back to our jobs. We go back to our schools, we go to our friends, we start listening to the other voices that are out there. We start listening to our favorite actor or actress or a favorite musician or a, a sports hero or a celebrity. We, we read our, our favorite blog or we listen to our favorite blog. We watch TV and we see somebody talking about this or that. Um, we're in a classroom and a professor starts talking about things. And before you know it, we're going, hmm, you know, there's a lot of different ways to believe about marriage. You know, there's a lot of different ways to believe about gender and the origins of life and the value of life. Before you know it, we're saying, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways to believe about Jesus. There's... There's a lot of ways to believe about the Bible and truth. And before you know it, we're getting tempted to, or we are scoffing at the truth that Jesus gives us in his word. And when we do that, it's a very, very dark place to go. Um, Playing the game of life, um, or I'm sorry, Clue, 
Um, if you've played it before, you've maybe had this happen. <laughs> so you're playing the game, and one of the players, or maybe a couple of the players, will, will be making guesses, and you start to notice that they guess the same thing. They start guessing like the same person. Every time they make a guess, every time it's their turn, they'll say, Professor Plum with the knife in the conservatory, or Professor Plum with the revolver in the hall, or Professor Plum, and you're going, wait a second. How come they're always saying Professor Plum? Maybe, maybe they know something that I don't know. Maybe they've figured something out. Maybe they got a card in their hand that I don't have. And you start guessing the same thing. You think, well, maybe it's Professor Plum. And so you, when you make your guesses, you say Professor Plum too. Have you ever done that before? Playing the game? Well, I guess you have. I have. I've done it with my kids. And you know, the, so, and sometimes it's good because someone does know, right? But sometimes it's not so good because they may be completely off. <laughs> or even worse, and this has happened with my kids, is they start making guesses with a person. You know why? To throw dad off. <laughs> to deceive me. You get the picture? The translation to, to what we're talking about here? You start listening to the voices around us. Sometimes well-meaning people. Sometimes people that intentionally are out to deceive us. And we start thinking, maybe they know something I don't know. And they sound very smart and very sincere. And again, we get real tempted to start scoffing at parts of God's word or even more. And that's just a bad place to be. In fact, what it's like is it's like playing kind of an endless game of Clue, <laughs> where you're always guessing and wondering and, and looking at your cards and wondering what other people have in their cards and listening to what everybody else is saying. It's like life is an endless game of Clue, and you never look in the envelope. You never open it up. When Jesus is holding the envelope open for us right now with his word. You might think, why, why, why should we listen to Jesus any more than we would listen to anybody else. There's a lot of reasons, <laughs> but I'm just going to give you two tonight. The two are, it's because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done. You see, this, this person talking to Pilate isn't just some person. It's not some professor at a college. He's not some celebrity He's God. <laughs> He's God in the flesh. Yes, his truth is the truth. But not only that, it's about what he's done for us. Because he didn't just, even though he's God, he didn't just sit out in eternity and just let us all here on earth try to figure it all out. But he actually stepped into our world. Why? As he says in the text, he said, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. He came to proclaim that truth to us so we wouldn't ever have to worry about it. So we wouldn't have to try to figure it out. We wouldn't have to wonder, is this person true? Is that, do they know something? No, he gives us the truth. And he puts his stamp of approval on the Bible for us. 
That's what he did. And not only that, not only did he proclaim the truth, but he lived it perfectly in our place for you and for me. And then he also died for that truth. He suffered and died for that truth. It's, it's ironic that the person who lived truth perfectly in his life allowed himself to be arrested, tried, beaten, and eventually killed by a bunch of liars. <laughs> and he allowed himself to be treated by God the Father as the worst of liars in our place. The person who is truth personified carried your lies, my lies, our deceit, our scoffing. He carried it all to the cross and he nailed it there so that you and I would be forgiven and so that we would know that we have truth absolute objective truth that we can cling to. And even beyond that, <laughs> he now comes to us through the word just as he came to Pilate. He pursues us. He engages us through his word to make sure that we have the truth, to ensure that, that we have it, that we trust it. He comes to it just like he did Pilate. You might wonder whatever happened to Pilate. I mean, clearly here he just, he scoffed and he, he left. But do you ever wonder, did he ever get it? Did he ever come back and embrace the truth? From everything we can tell, from histor other historical accounts and most importantly from the Bible, he never did. Jesus was right there holding the envelope for him. But time ran out. The game got folded up and put away and he never opened the envelope to see what the truth was. Time ran out on Pilate. It was short, time was short for Pilate. And it's short for you and for me too. We don't have time to scoff at the words of Jesus. And so we won't, we don't. By the grace of God, we embrace it, we trust it. We put it at a level above any other voice, any other influence in our lives. We use it as a filter for any other voice, any other idea or philosophy about truth. It clears away the doubts. It clears away the fears. And we, we put it at the center of every single thing that we do, everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do. And we gladly share it with other people. been talking about the game of Clue, and to, to wrap it up here, um, I said earlier that it isn't until the end of the game that you finally get to open this up. 
The whole game, you gotta, you gotta wait, and you don't know. You gotta guess about it. And when it finally happens, there's only one winner. <laughs> Everybody else is a loser. But that's not the way it is with Jesus. We don't have to wait till the end of the game. <laughs> we have it. It's right here. Jesus opened the envelope for us. And with this, for everyone who trusts in it, everybody's a winner. There's no losers. So take the truth. What is it? It's Jesus, and it's his word that he's given us. So take the truth, embrace it, and live it, and share it. Amen.